Welcome to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. I am James Kay, and with me on the line, as always, is Chris Pennett. Chris, our streak of having awesome guests on the show just continues on today. I am so excited to have our next guest on. Maggie Hendricks is with us. Maggie, I don't even know how to introduce you because of like what you've done so much with your career. <laughs> I mean, you've got like your what with USA Today, Yahoo Sports, you're with The Athletic right now. Actually, in The Score, too, you and Julie had a great great radio show. I mean, I don't even know where to start with this, but otherwise, I just have to say thank you so much for giving us your time today. CCL wow. grad, Maggie Hendricks. Yeah, CCL grad, go Fenwick. Um, Chicago Catholic League, for those who don't know. Um, and for those who don't know, that's sad for you. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I I just just go with sports writer. I think yeah. figure that's covers all the bases. But then like sometimes I write for StarTrek.com too. So I just right. write about I write. I like writing. <laughs> and I like talking to people. So that is my job. Well, again, we're so thrilled that you're joining us uh to talk with us about the sky. I mean, we have so much to discuss today. Um, but before we do that, I just want to say at the top of this. Make sure to subscribe to the Windsider Podcast Network and our show, and you can find both of those on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, we would appreciate a rate and review if you appreciate the show, and if not, please steer clear. We don't want your negative feedback. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I'll, you take, know, I'll take the negative feedback. I'm a sponge here. Yeah, you know what? Yeah, uh, send it to Chris. I can't handle it clearly. Um, well, but, like tweet it to you, but don't ever put it in the actual reviews. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, just don't make it public. That's all we really care about. Um, <laughs> but Maggie, we are a few days removed from Media Day, and I don't know about you guys, but one of the biggest takeaways I had from it was just how relaxed this team is, and they just seem really ready to go after a couple weeks of training camp. And you covered the team all of last season, and we talked a little bit about this before the show, but you had a chance to talk with James Wade and Steph Dolson on the phone uh, recently, you know, I don't want to op- like force you to open your reporter's pad too much, but what are your impressions of where this team is at right now and where they rank amongst other teams in the WNBA? Well, I think the really great thing that they have going for them, and, you know, Stephanie mentioned this today, James mentioned this yesterday, that their core is coming back. There are a few additions, few subtractions, but for the most part, this is a very close team and they are already they like they already have that bond. I feel bad for the teams that did all kinds of changes in the offseason because they didn't have that same kind of training camp time to really get to know each other. So I I really think the teams with a strong veteran presence, which the sky have, are really the teams that are going to make some noise this season. Where do you see them like if you had to give a rank to them right now just based on what you just said too? I mean, where would you put them? I think I would put them around around three or four, but with but the funny thing is is like I, I'm saying this, but all we've seen so far out of the entire WNBA is like clips from practice, clips, you know, and what they have to say. Because of so many players opting out, plus injuries, plus this very weird wobble situation. I honestly feel like it could be one of those crazy seasons where the Liberty could come out of nowhere and end (laughs) up in the finals, or it could be a crazy season where it's the 
absolute most experienced teams. So it seems like Seattle and Chicago and Phoenix will do really well. But I, I mean, it's, it's one of the reasons I'm so excited about this season is because I really don't know what to expect. I think those are the best kinds of seasons where, like last season, a lot of people had this guy around like the seven, eight range, kind of a fringe playoff team. And then they just come out of nowhere and they end up achieving or just like surpassing like modest preseason expectations. And Again, like I think that a team like um, even like the Indiana Fever, I think are really interesting. Something that Ari Chambers also mentioned when we had her on the pod too was just that I kind of thought was interesting was that the Phoenix Mercury are apparently looking great right now. And a lot of people have them at the top as well. But, you know, I don't think they're nece- they were necessarily a given that they were going to be healthy and ready to go this year. But apparently like Ari's reporting that the Mercury are looking great. Like all the teams that have question marks are kind of figuring things out a little bit right now. Um, Chris, did you have any takeaways from media day that, um, that stuck with you, you know, now that we're a couple days removed from it? Well, uh, like we talked about in the pre-show, it seems like the players are a bit more comfortable. I think the thing that really stuck out to me, and I want to get your opinion on this, Maggie, Diamond really looks like she's coming into her own um, in terms of just kind of filling her own. She, she feels comfortable in her own skin. Part of that, I think, is the distance that we as the media have from the team and the players. They're, they might be in this wobble for all its faults, but they are in that. They have a membrane between them and the outside world, which is going to give them some more comfort being, being around each other more often. But I remember last year on Media Row, I think one game where Tony Gill sat in, you were singing Diamond's praises as we all have been. Yeah. But I'd been more of a skeptic up to this point. So what do you think, what do you, what, do you, what are you looking forward to seeing Diamond do this year? Do you think this is the year that she breaks out and really fills that superstar role? I think she absolutely can. Um, she didn't, she played a little bit of overseas ball, but then came back with a little bit of an injury, but then the pandemic hit and everything. So she had time to just get completely healed and healthy and ready to go for this season. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it's all she's been doing. She's been so locked in on being Chicago, one of Chicago's best athletes. I mean, she bought a place here. She, like, she is so locked in on it um, and has been putting in the work. So I, I really think this could be a season that Diamond goes from being an all-star to like one of the top five players in the league, discuss it in MVP. My biggest concern with Diamond, and I, I think we even discussed this that day when we were on press row, she plays so much of her game in the air mm-hmm. that I worry about the, you know, the gravity <laughs> and how she comes down. Because a lot of times when she comes down, she hits the ground hard. And, and she always pops back up. I, I think there were probably 10 times that Maddie Kenny and I like grabbed each other because we were worried about Diamond popping back up. But she does. She always pops back up. But this is now going into her third season. You know, the physicality of the game isn't ever going to stop. So I think if she can mature to figure out how to have her the greatness of her game but not always be up in the air and make sure she's guarding herself against injury, then I think she's going to be unstoppable. With the team in the position that the Sky are in right now where they – were a surprise last year. And I think everybody on the team understands that there's, you know, there's no surprises this time around, even with the situation that we're in where nothing is really guaranteed. Do you think that 
how historically when you see teams like this coming into that second year or the, maybe the third year where the expectations are fully on them, even with their experience, what do you, what have you seen from teams? How have they responded that are, that are similar to this guy? If you can think of any um, in particular, and how do you expect this team to respond to the pressure given again, the situation that we're in with, uh, with COVID-19? I think there are, there are two things that control a team's reaction to that, that situation of like, hey, nobody knew who you were, but now we do. Now we're paying attention to you. I think your veteran presence decides some of, of that. And then also your coaches. And one thing James Wade did really well was keep the players on a fairly even keel last season. So even when they had a terrible game, even when things went crazy, even when he himself was not on an even keel, the players, you know, they did a good job usually responding after a bad loss or even, I say, after that bad that bad road trip early in the season when they went out to California and Las Vegas. So both, I think it's going to be really important for Courtney Vandersloot and Allie Quigley to continue to be leaders on this team, Stephanie Dolson too. Not having Jantel Lavender there in the bubble with them as she misses this season because she needed to have foot injury or a foot surgery, it's not, it's not great because she, she is one of those voices that she's won a championship. She was able to keep them very focused on the goal, even when she was injured, even when she was calling games uh, for WCIU, she was still keeping her team focused. And so not having her there isn't, isn't great, but I also think you'll see people like, like uh, Stephanie, Sydney Colson, whenever she can get to the, the wobble, um, I think that their presence is going to be important. And also now you have players like Gabby and Diamond who have been through a little bit more, who have been, who have, are a little bit more seasoned. James, I just realized something that we hadn't brought up. And uh, this would be interesting to think about. What, uh, what all, all, both of you, all of us, what do you think that the Sky lose, if anything, uh, without having Bridget, Bridget Pettis on the bench this season? Wow, that's such a big question. I mean, going back to continuity, like that's the burning theme of like the last four pods that we've done is just the Sky or bringing back, like, again, the narrative that we've heard over and over again is that they're running it back. And I think that does also extend to the coaching staff. I mean, I don't, not having her, I think, is going to be um, going to be difficult for the sky a little bit, just because again, having those familiar faces, I think is just so important, especially in unprecedented circumstances like this. I didn't do too much of a deep dive into like that situation. And now, like, I wasn't sure even if Maggie, have you heard anything about that? I mean, or just talking with Wade and like staff about, about that situation, if you had a chance to do so. No, I, I haven't. Um, but I, I do think that I mean, both the assistant coaches are different. It's not even just uh, Bridget, though. I think they're going to miss Bridget a lot. Um, But also Carla Morrow headed to uh, Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Oh, you're right. Thank you. So, I, you know, I mean, that's going to be a change. Now, one of the coaches that they brought in is a coach from – is the coach of UMMC at Kotterenberg. So, Ellie and Stephanie already – or Ellie and Courtney already know him very well. And so that, you know, that gives him some credibility. He's already known well around the league. Um, he's the husband of the coach of the Phoenix Sun because the WNBA, if nothing, is always messy. Um, but I read today, by the way, that they are not staying together 
in the Wubble. What? No, to keep it professional. I like that. No, I like that. I'm just kind of aghast at that. Like, I mean, it makes sense. I would understand why you would want to do that and keep things professional, but also that's like two months and like your wife's right there. <laughs> but you're not I, I mean, mean, I don't, I'm not married, so I don't totally get it, but it reminds me of how the Lopez twins said they don't talk during the season. Yeah, but there is a, a key component. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying. Oh, we're getting I messy now. Bubble as my husband. That's all I'm saying. All right. That, that is so funny. I didn't, I can't believe I missed that today. That, uh, oh my God. I don't even know how I would even navigate that situation personally. Like, Need to FaceTime and like just like being in the same location, but you can't like physically see each other. It's dinner so together, maybe, but they're like not staying in the same. I don't know. I don't get. But also, I don't think I could live in a situation where my husband's job was literally on the other side of the world. <laughs> and oh, God, yeah, you know, I mean that whole like. But I mean, like James Wade and and Edwiga do it too. Edwiga and and Jet are still in France. Right. Well, he's here doing the bubble. So, I mean, the WNBA has, you know, it, there are always a lot of sacrifices that are asked, not just to the coaches, but to the coaches' families, so, and the players and everything. So, yeah. I don't go through WNBA Instagram, like, daily, like, in the way that I do it on Twitter, but I also haven't seen any videos of crossover of teams that are seeing each other in the bubble. Like, all of the videos I see are – the sky are together or the storm are together or the sparks are together. But I haven't really seen too much of, you know, like Stewie and Candace Parker sitting down, like having a meal together or something. You know what I mean? Have you guys seen anything like that? I, I did see a video today, um, just a short video of the sky dropped that uh, was, I think them scrimmaging against Phoenix, yeah. I want to say. Okay. Yeah, they did. There, and that, I, there was one... I saw two two pictures of Sky Blairs with other with other teams. Uh, there was like a little Oregon rookies get together, so it was like okay. Ruthie and Sachi Sabli and Sabrina Ionescu, um, and then there was a couple UConn girls that got together. So it was Z and a couple other people. So, I mean, that's the other thing about it when you only have 144 players. So many of them went to UConn or, <laughs> or Notre Dame or you know or Tennessee they all have these bonds that already exist. So I think that makes this whole bubble situation easier when you already have friends who are not even just your teammates and your coworkers, but also like, you know, your good, your best friend from college, like Nafisa Collier and Gabby Williams and Katie Lou Samuelson are all on three different teams, but they were super close in college. So I'm going to bet they hung out, they've hung out, you know, Oh, definitely. And I'm sure there's a lot of that happening behind the scenes, too, that's not happening in front of a camera, which would make a ton of sense. But wait, we got to talk a little bit about a former UConn player in Azrae Stevens, Maggie. I mean, I feel like every time I see a video that the Sky posts, it's Azrae Stevens, like, slashing and scoring at the rim with ease. And I don't know about you guys, but on media day, Wade said that he thinks that she's I think he said that she's, like, pretty much all the way back to being healthy. She said that she's still dealing with daily soreness in that foot but that she feels comfortable and that she usually feels fine the next day Maggie where do you see Azrae fitting in right now and do you see her taking over 
Jantel Lavender's minutes from last season at the four? Or do you see kind of what we saw a little bit from last season too when Jantel went down where we saw a Stu take over a lot of those minutes, but that James Wade did work in different lineups to make up for that loss. I think, I think Z is going to end up taking, you know, taking Jantel's spot. It would have been great to see them get to just play off of each other and give each other breaks. But I think, I think we're going to see it. And, and don't forget that Z is taller. Z is the new tallest member of the team. Stephanie confirmed that today. Um, so, so Z is going to offer some height, a little bit more height than Jantel had, which is going to be important. I think, I think when you're facing teams like Phoenix, when you have Brittany Griner coming at you, that kind of having two people of that size in the paint, I, I really, I think it's going to be really important for that, this guy. Um, and then, you know, it, there's just been so many, there haven't been so many changes to the team, but there's been enough that I think there's going to be a whole lot of things that um, we're going to see Z, I believe we'll see Z start and then in, in compliment Stephanie, but then we'll get to see, you know, how, how creative changes, what the lineup changes will be throughout. So James Wade said that he wants to have more set lineups this season than he did last year. I think that was one of the big things from media day as well is just that it's not going to be like last year because he has a year under his belt and he's had more time to work with this team. Um, do you think that, I mean, do you feel like Azurae, like kind of finding her groove, getting back to being healthy and like, you know, just feeling comfortable underneath herself, like where, to the point where maybe that Diamond doesn't quite need to put it all together this season. Like, let's just say that that doesn't happen. And I really hope it does um, for this team's sake. But do you, could, do you envision a scenario where Azrae could be like a 14, 15 point per game score? And like, she kind of takes off some of the pressure that Diamond might have. I mean, whew, that would, 14, 15 a game would be a lot. Yeah. Um, I think, I think averaging, if, like looking for her to average, say 10 points and six or seven rebounds a game. I think that would be an ideal for her um, and making sure she's also setting up other people to score, you know, as Jantel did so well so many times last mm-hmm. season. So um, I, I mean, I think that's, that would be an exciting thing because honestly the best, I really think the best way for Diamond to be the big star that we want her to be is to make sure that her teammates are, if her teammates are all playing at their best, that's usually what elevates Diamond. So, you know, if if there's a situation where, you know, Courtney is just dishing everything out and Allie's hitting the threes, then sometimes Diamond doesn't feel as much pressure and then Mm -hmm. can just, you know, just keeps going and 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 does all the crazy Diamond things she can do. Yeah, we talked with Arya Schwartz the other day and he was saying that we did this over-under segment where it was like, do you have Ezra averaging more than 12 points per game? Like, would you take the over or under on that? And he thinks she is going to go beyond that. He didn't give an exact number, but it did feel a little bit high. Um, but I do think that's what, like, his confidence in her in that sense, I think does say something a little bit about her upside for this team that, you know, I think that we didn't talk about it enough heading into the offseason. I know Eric Nemchak is someone who was very high on Ezra Stevens when she when it was first reported that, she was traded to this guy, but I think that she's weird. Like, I don't know if she's the X factor because diamond is definitely in like, she's definitely the X factor because she is, has the potential to be one of the, like a top five player in this league. But 
Ezra, I really think this guy, you're going to lean on her a little bit more than I think we probably anticipated before the start of training camp. Um, but just to keep this moving a little bit too, Chris and I didn't get a chance to discuss when we talked with REA, um, you know, James Wade's piece in the Players' Tribune. And for those who missed it, um, definitely read it. But James Wade kind of just went over his experience with racism. And even at the top of the article, discussed a recent instance where a white passenger and a flight attendant called him aggressive and kind of told him to like sit down in his seat, even though like other passengers were standing up doing the same thing he was. I mean, I thought it was such a powerful piece. Um, I mean, Maggie, throughout your career, you've been someone who has always pushed for social justice to be in the conversation with sports talk. Um, I mean, what did you take away from this piece? And like, you know, just like your reaction with how it resonated with people, because it spread a lot through social media. Yeah, I, you know, the, the thing that really stuck out for me is that this white passenger, uh, this white woman said to James, you're just not global. Hmm. That was wild, right? Whose French wife is living in France and whose other job is in Russia. But yeah, he's not global. I, I, and I mentioned this to James. I said, I said as soon as I, I read that, I wanted to throttle this woman. Yeah. Like, you weren't alone, <laughs> you know? <laughs> he's like, the rest of the team was pissed, but, you know, I knew I had to keep calm for them. Um, but, I mean, I, it angered me, but it also, the, the sadder part is that it didn't surprise me that, I mean, that, like, there is not a situation a black person can walk into and not have white people question if they belong there. And it just, and so that's why it has to be connected to sports because there are no black athletes who stop being black when they walk out onto the field. So if we are going, if we're going to cheer them on and we're going to want them to do all the amazing things that we've seen black athletes do, then we also have to listen to their stories like James told and listen to all the bullshit that they deal with because racist people and because of systemic racism and we either need to dismantle it or I don't need, I don't know what the other option is. We have to dismantle it. That's the only, honestly, the only way to do it. And just, you can't separate it from sports because sports are a part of society. And if, if we want teams that actually display who we are as, as a people in a country, then we want our athletes and our coaches talking about this stuff. In that, in that same vein, Maggie, um, I mean, that article was really personal for me and I, I, I sent coach a message about it because uh, pretty much everything in there resonated with an experience that I've had five or six times over. And I've been wondering as this goes on, um, as the civil, the civil rights uprisings have, have sprung up all over the country and around the world, and as we've gone through this, uh, this, epi- this pandemic, I'll, I've wondered if, and I've, I've asked multiple people on this that we've had on the show and off, if there's a way for sports having, for, for, to bring back sports and not distract in some way from the message that the players and the coaches and everybody's trying to get out. All the players that I've, pretty much all the players I've seen in both basketball leagues have made it very clear that they want to keep this at the forefront. And obviously the WNBA is, is trying to keep that message at the forefront with the names on the players' jerseys of Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Tony McDade, 
um, all of the people who have who aren't here anymore because of this, and then uh, putting Black Lives Matter on the court. But I, I worry and I fear that it's going to get lost in the, the in the usual um, statistics and wins and losses that we look for in sports. Do you see that happening, or do you see, or do you think that this is going to be different just because of the push that the personnel is giving it? I think honestly, the athletes, especially like the the younger athletes that are like under under 30 are, are doing such a good job of making sure that this message doesn't get lost. I'm forgetting the name of the, the NBA player. I think he's with the Sixers yesterday. Tobias he, Harris, yeah. Yes. He answered every single question with, Breonna Taylor's killers must be arrested. So I, I, I'm so inspired by how these athletes are, even though you know they're out there doing everything that they want to do to be great, basketball players and earn money and do all of the things that they want to do, they're still, they're all still very focused on what is happening outside of the bubble. So what my hope is, is that the athletes will continue to call attention to this. And I, I think that'll happen because remember WNBA players were the first ones to really, I mean, outside of Colin Kaepernick, of course, but out, were, were the first ones to stand up and wear shirts demanding justice and saying, I can't breathe. And, and obviously what Maya Moore has done and that there are players uh, like Tasha Cloud who are, are missing an entire season so that they can focus on the work that needs to be done in their community. So I have faith that even as it will be so, feel so good to just watch a basketball game, that the message won't get lost because these players are too are too focused on making sure it's a message we're all hearing all the time. And we have to give credit to the sky for what they're doing this season. Gabby Williams told us a little bit about what they're going to do in this regard outside of the WNBA's plans and, you know, having Black Lives Matter on the court and players like uh, Cindy Colson, who are going to have Breonna Taylor's name like stitched underneath uh, their number. So Gabby was telling us that, the, the Sky are going to have this, uh, they teamed up with, I think the name of the organization is called By the Hand. And they are going to, working on this initiative called Sky for Change. And I think they're going to donate $10 for every point scored and $100 for every win this season, if I'm not mistaken. I'm going to have to go back and look at the article I wrote for Winsider because I detailed it there. But No, you got it right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, that is amazing and that's really show like i haven't really seen other teams that have had plans like this maybe they just haven't announced it not at the WNBA level but just other professional sports teams that talk the talk but don't necessarily walk the walk you know and i think that's something i've been pretty frustrated with when i see these teams that talk about diversity and it, it just feels so hollow when it's not actually backed up with action um so yeah i tip my hat to the sky because what they're doing there is incredible. Um, and I look forward to hearing about Sky for Change later down the road because I think each player is going to have an organization that they're going to be trying to like raise money for. And I mean, that says it all just like where this team, like, um, you know, this team really trying to push for social change in a time when we really need it. Yeah, I think so. it's something that's also important to point out. I've tried to do this on social media, but I don't know if my message always gets across. The sky also walked the walk in their hiring. Mm -hmm. 
they, obviously, James Wade is a black man. They have uh, the vice president of marketing and communications is a black woman. They, it, they have diverse voices at high levels. It's not just about tokenism by any stretch. They have a very, uh, they have a staff that reflects Chicago, in my opinion. And I, I think that is, is wonderful because then when you're at the games, the way things are programmed, what, what groups are brought in, it really does reflect Chicago, who's singing the national anthem, all of these things. And so it doesn't surprise me to see that that would continue, even though they're not playing in Chicago, that they would continue to figure out a way to give back to the things that are important to them because it's a diverse organization to the top. Yeah, definitely. Uh, one, one thing on that, Maggie, sorry, James. Yeah. I was thinking, do you expect to see uh, the sky make any sort of uh, silent or vocal protests uh, like we've seen from other teams as their uh, seasons start here? I, I know specifically with, I think it was the Giants and the A's knelt during the national anthem. Do you expect to see anything like that as we start the season? I haven't spoken to any players specifically about this, but again, they have been so committed to it that I, I would not, I wouldn't be surprised at all to see um, either players kneeling or, you know, them locked in arms or something like that. That would, I haven't heard anything specific that it will happen, but it wouldn't surprise me at all. Yeah, that is something that I, I wanted to ask on media day, but I didn't want to put anyone in a position where they, like they hadn't made up their mind about it yet, that I didn't want to force them to answer that. Um, but, and it's hard to ask that at a media day when you're yeah. everybody else. Like I get, I get that. That is a, that is a weird one. I mean, James could say, I asked Stephanie Dolson what she felt like her place was in, in the world at large. So you can ask if there's going to be a <laughs> Oh, my God. It's so funny how, like, you can feel sometimes, like, when, um, like, I, I had a couple of dumb questions at Media Day. I'm not even going to lie. It's just so, in that format, it's just so uncomfortable. And I, I've been doing press conferences for more than a decade. I, I've probably done like at least a hundred press conferences and they still make me nervous. And I still have to like write down every single question because if I don't, it'll fall out of my mouth funny. And I will tell you, James Wade has given me more than enough looks at press conferences that have made me feel really dumb. So I don't, <laughs> and they might not even even been for me, but I felt dumb enough. So yeah, that feeling doesn't go away, unfortunately. Sorry. Oh my God. It's so funny. I actually, I asked Courtney Vandersloot, um, you know, I had prepared a question for her specifically the night before, because we hadn't gotten confirmation about when the media day was until like the day of, and I think I got it like 20 minutes before it started. I'm like, oh, okay. I got to, you know, hurry and uh, get this all together. But I had one question for Courtney where I was like, talking to her about, um, you know, she, her and Allie Quigley, I believe, are the only two players left on that 2014 Sky Finals team. And I had this, you know, this question prepared where I had context about the season when they were a 500 team. But despite that, like, what can you get, like, tell the team about, like, you know, even saying it now, it seems dumb, but, like, what advice can you give the other players on the team who haven't had that experience, um, like, what it takes to get there? And I cut off the context because I was so like worked up in the moment. And she like spelled it out for me why that question was stupid without the context pretty much. And I'm like, I am just going to shut up the rest of the media section. Um, session. But um, 
let's keep this rolling a little bit. So I don't know if you guys saw this on Twitter yesterday. I believe it was yesterday. But NBC Sports, they kind of pissed me off when they tweeted out a graphic of all men's Chicago sports teams. And they, I think they posed the question, like, what athlete do you think of when you see these logos? Which was kind of shitty since it didn't include any Chicago women's sports teams. So I felt that we needed to kind of make up further gaffe for this. And I pitched to you guys that we ranked the Chicago sports teams and you know, see where we come to. I'm really interested to see your answers because trying to prepare for this, I felt was really difficult. Um, so just so we're on the same page, are we leaving off the college teams? Because they, I mean, there's so that, many. That would be hard. Yeah. They're yeah. a bit much. Good. I, I didn't prepare for that. So I'm glad that uh, we're on the same page there. So God, it's really like, I don't know too, too much about soccer or, um, or hockey, to be honest with you, never really got into hockey, but I think you can, you can, we can kind of piece this together. Maggie, do you want to just go one through four really quickly and then we can each do um, the other ones like after each other? I'm just, I'm curious to see where you have like one through four for the teams at the top here. So are we saying like the teams that we think have like, what's our criteria here? I just say like, as it stands right now, based on where these teams are heading in their respective sports season this year, where would you rank them? Does that, is that doable? Yes, absolutely. Um, I think I honestly, for the team that I think is closest to a championship, I do believe it's the sky. So I am going to put the sky at number one. Um, I will put the White Sox behind them at number two. I think this White Sox team is going to be a beast this season. Number three, I'll put the Cubs because they could be a beast this season or they could be terrible. And then number four, definitely not the Bulls. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to put the Red Stars. Yeah. You know, their season hasn't been going quite as well as they want. But I think they've been doing a little bit better. I don't know when the Bandits are going to play again, the softball team. So because the the, uh, fast pitch season has been a little weird. But so that's it. Sky, Sox, Cubs, Red Stars. I love it. How about you, Chris? Do you have one through four in mind? Um, I, my top two are the same as Maggie. The Sky are in the position to compete for a championship, and the White Sox have some things to prove, but these two exhibition games uh, against the Cubs have shown, definitely shown me that their offense, at the very least, is way better, Ooh. and their defense looks pretty sound. So as, as cautious as I always am as a White Sox fan, I think that they could go very far in the playoffs. I mean, make the playoffs, first of all. Yeah. And then – make a run in the playoffs and the sky I expect nothing less than at least a semifinals appearance um I I'm biased I'm hugely biased I'm a we root for the go-go White Sox and whoever plays the Cubs person uh that said I understand how good the Cubs have been in the last five years notwithstanding last season's collapse but I I just see them on the downswing I like you Darvish but he Ooh, let's not spend too much time on baseball on a basketball podcast. I don't think the Cubs are top four. I put the Red Stars in that slot only because they made the NWSL finals last mm-hmm. year. And even though it's been an up and down challenge cup, they're in the semifinals tomorrow night. 
shameless plug, watch the, the Red Stars versus the Sky Blue tomorrow night. Ari Chambers, we know you're watching the Sky Blue and you're going to be disappointed. Um, so I put the Red Stars number three. And then, boy, it's, it's difficult after that because I am, I am horribly underinformed on the Bandits. I know that they have been good for most of the past decade. But like you said, uh, Maggie, I don't know if they're going to play this season. The Bulls are still a mess to me. And I'm not even a football fan anymore. So I think the Bears are just kind of spinning their wheels at this point. They need a management change. So, oh, man, if the, if the, rug, if the women's rugby team, the former Red Stars, was pro, <laughs> I would put them up in number four. But I, I, can't, I can't say. I have, I have a who wants to fill the slot at number four. All right. That's totally fair. I mean, I also have the sky at number one right now just because, I mean, they are, like, out of all the Chicago sports teams right now, they are the, in the best position to win the finals this season, as difficult as it's going to be with some of these other teams at the top of the WNBA. The one thing I want to mention, too, I do think this team is at its highest point in its franchise history. Like, I know they're in Florida right now, but, you know, if they were to play out this season, I mean – since they moved to Wintrust, like from Allstate Arena, I mean, they are a legit Chicago team now. And they separated themselves from the suburbs, which I think isn't talked about enough for like, I guess, in terms of last year's narratives. I think that this is a legit Chicago team now. So I just want to give a shout out to them from that sense. Um, two through four is so dicey. I put the Cubs and the reason I do that, I, look, you can make the case for the White Sox right now. And I wouldn't necessarily hate it for this upcoming season because I don't think pitching is going to be as – I think it's just going to be a mess this year with how pitchers have been thrown out of their groove. But the reason I put the Cubs here instead of the White Sox is just because they haven't made the playoffs since I stopped listening to My Chemical Romance. So I think I'm just going to um, – I'm, I'm going I'm to leave them outside of the top two. But I love – I think the Cubs could bounce back as well from uh, last season. And I think the offense is – is going to be great too. So I think people, some people are sleeping on the Cubs. So that's what my top two. Um, I did put the White Sox at number four um, because, I mean, again, there's a lot of buzz on them heading into the season. And, you know, they actually have like a face to the franchise a little bit in Tim Anderson, on like kind of leading the charge with the modern baseball movement. I guess that is a weird criteria for this to, <laughs> to throw that in there, but I'm going to at number three. And then the Red Stars definitely have to be number four. I mean, they, like you said, Chris, they're coming off of a year where they made the finals. And I think they lost four to nothing. If my, uh, you know, me just glossing through the internet, if I read that correctly. Um, and Julie Ertz also is on that team. And like his, I think she won, what was it? U.S. Soccer National Player of the Year. Either it was last year or like two years before that. So I like the, the Red Stars over there. All these other Chicago teams are just, a little bit miserable right now so I mean it's the top four might be a little bit difficult but everything's a toss-up from here on in I don't even do you guys even want to do like the, the next four of like you want to just do five through eight really I, mean, fast? I, could, I could slot the Blackhawks into my number four because they made the playoffs I guess you know? yeah yeah <laughs> according to criteria that was set out yeah it was like it's like a, a just joint dumpster some of it's fire but like the, the bulls are right. over there on fire, but like the bears don't know what they're doing. The Blackhawks meh, and the bandits might not play this season. So I, I feel like we don't need to. Yeah. 
like oh. the fire might do something, but they've been um, kind of also ran even when they had uh, Bastion Schweinsteiger and um, their their main goal scorer uh, from a couple. I cannot remember his last name. He was very electric player for the MLS, but they they didn't really make any noise. So yeah. I mean, I think they also just moved to a new venue too, which I think helps them a little bit because that was a trek to get out all the way out there. Where I forget exactly where they were, but oh, Bridgeview. Well, it's Bridgeview. it's great because the Red Stars are in Bridgeview, which you're right. It takes a long time to get to unless you take the shuttle from, from up north, or if you I, I I went there to a game from Bridgeport. You had to take a bus to the Orange Line, to a shuttle from the Orange Line at Midway and then still walk across like a gravel, a gigantic gravel parking lot to get to the stadium. That whole, that's one of the, that's one of the last Mayor Daly deals. And it's probably the second worst thing he did um, outside of the parking meters, Yeah. but it's still a better place to play soccer than Soldier Field. Yeah. I see. I've only seen soccer. At, I will know. I, that, I, that's a lie. I've been to Toyota Park a few, or whatever it's called these days. I've been there a few times, but it's just Soldier Field is, is a, a is an, it's central it's more central for most of the city it is difficult i live in uptown and it is easily an hour to an hour and 10 minutes to get to that place in bridgeview yeah you don't know what traffic on 55 it's going to be but you know yeah. the traffic on harlem is going to be terrible yep. so, like, <laughs> it just is, it's such a pain to get to and you're right taking a shuttle from somewhere on the north side usually a bar is usually the best way to go but then, like, if you do that, then it's like a day of drinking. And I'm not against that. I'm not against that. I want to be clear. But I don't always need all that, you know? Sometimes I just want to go watch a game. Yeah, and it's like, again, going back to my point about this is like the Sky being a real Chicago team now that they're not all the way out having to go to, like, Allstate Arena. Like, are you really a part of Chicago if you have to, like, have, like, an adventure to get all the way to a stadium to watch your sports team? Like, I don't know. That just feels like there's, there's a little bit of a disconnect there when you have to do something like that. And uh, I don't know. I feel like you're a Chicago sports team when you can just take the L, whatever line you take. Like if you can take it, you know, the, uh, the train to get there, that's a Chicago sports team. <laughs> so easy to get to win trust. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Whenever I, I've heard people who used to live in suburb or live in suburbs near where the sky used to play that have complained about it. I'm like, well, then you're just a jerk. Yeah, <laughs> it's so easy to get there for most of the city. It's right off 55. It's right off uh, Lakeshore Drive. It's not too far from the uh, Dan Ryan. Like it's so easy to get to. So anybody who complains about it, send them to me. Yeah, <laughs> I'm holding you to that, Maggie. <laughs> it's like a really nice byproduct because that whole area was so. The, the the talk around it, and I know Maggie, you know this being plugged in as a media person, with the TIF funds and how that whole thing went down with Rahm Emanuel. I remember people who um, were like slightly plugged, who were slightly in the city politics, were not happy about that at all. But it's honestly, it's been pretty good uh, for that for that neighborhood, and I don't see people getting pushed out as much. Yeah, it seems like there's an actual melding of the residents of the South Loop, Motor Row, um, Bronzeville area with that slowly creeping further South, South Loop. Um, 
you know, the 78 project aside, it seems like it's been really good. But also, we're really spoiled in Chicago with our locations of everything. Like, we really O'Hare, are. O'Hare is far to get to, but Midway's in the city. The Cubs and the White Sox both play within the city limits. The Bears are right downtown. The Bulls are in the city. Blackhawks in the same spot. I mean, I didn't realize it until I went to see games in other places or went to airports in other places. Like, if you go to Denver, just to get to the airport, you're you're nowhere near Denver. You can't even see Denver from there. And I know, I think it's the same for Mile High Stadium. Like, Coors Field is in the city, but... Yeah, I mean, most teams are that way. Yeah, you go to Miami, it's terrible. Philadelphia, like, all of their teams are together, but they're, Mm -hmm. like way it's it's a long uh met I, th- I think they call it the metro there like the, the, yeah the septa yeah. yeah 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 so yeah no we are very lucky that we have we the setup we have in chicago we are spoiled and people complain about nothing here <laughs> well one of my friends who lives in washington dc right now i've been ever since i started covering the WNBA, i've been trying to get him to watch it he loves basketball and he's open to it but he said that when he looked at the directions for like what it would take to get to a Mystics game, that it would cost him more than the ticket itself. And that to him, that was a deal breaker. And I didn't, I, I don't blame him, but those are some of the things. It's a weird thought. I lived there it's for odd. and never figured it out. I was there last year. Just, I went for my birthday to watch a, um, a White Sox nationals and the Mystics played the sky on my birthday the day before. And I didn't realize it until I got in town. And I was like, well, maybe I should go to this game. And it wouldn't have been, it wouldn't have been too hard to get there, but it is expensive. There's no 25 cent transfer mm-hmm. on the, um, on the U trains or the, the trains out in DC, but to get to the new arena is not, and not, it's not arduous, okay. but it definitely would have cost. Also the mystics blew the sky out that game. So I'm kind of <laughs> happy I didn't go. <laughs> Oh, Maggie, did you just say something? It just sounded like it broke up. Oh, I just said, oh, it was that game. Oh, <laughs> yeah, you know the game. It wasn't the final game of the season, but it was the one in June. Oh, man. Well, we're only a few days away from the sky gearing up on, what was it? It's July 26th, I believe, against the Aces. I'm so excited for it. Um, Maggie, before we let you go, give us one prediction for the opener. Do you see uh, the sky winning versus the Aces on that Sunday? I, yeah, I do. And, and hopefully Derek Hamby won't be up for, up for any of their last minute tricks. Um, but I mean, that the Aces are not the same team this season because Liz Cambage isn't playing and Kelsey Plum uh, tore her, what was it, her Achilles? Yeah, so, uh, unfortunate. Yeah, so un- unfortunately, it's not going to be quite the rematch, what I, I think we were all hoping to see. Um, because the, the you know some of the sky the aces best players won't be out there, but I I do think this guy will take this one because I think they just seem so like ready and wanting to be out there. Yeah, no, a hundred percent. And I think Asia Wilson, I think it will. Bill Lambeer said today he is cautiously optimistic about her playing on Sunday. So there's a chance that the aces might not even be with Asia. So that would be wow. yeah, it would be another blow um, to that team, but. Um, yeah, I, I think the sky really, oh, I just hope they open up the season in a big way to show, you know, I, I think we'll learn a lot in that first game and not necessarily what will it mean for the rest of the season, but just to see where everyone's at right now. But, yeah. um, Chris, do, do you want to give a prediction before we wrap this up? 
I'm going the same way. I think the Sky take that one. It'll be a big game, a nice game for the fans, especially. And no matter what uh, the Sky players say, I know that they're looking at that game uh, from the way that the season ended. I think Steph was was pretty honest about how everybody feels about it in terms of, uh, you know, quote unquote revenge. But just missing players like Liz, who had such an incredible stat line in that playoff game, and Kelsey Plum, who was really coming into her own the last uh, 10 games of the season after that uh, performance against Los Angeles, it's, it's, you really can't say how much that team will miss those two players alone. And if they don't have Asia Wilson, who is an MVP caliber player when she gets everything going, and it's only, what, her second season now, her third? Third season, yeah. It's if they're missing Asia Wilson, I I don't see a way the Sky lose that game unless they make every possible mistake. Yeah, I, I can't. If Asia Wilson doesn't play, I can't imagine the Sky losing that one. Um, but Maggie, thank you so much for joining us. This was so fun, and I'm so glad we got a chance to uh, talk about the Sky before the season starts. I'm bummed that we all won't be able to like, get together on press row, but um, you know I'm glad that you'll be reporting on this team this season, and uh, you know, we look forward to your content. Well, thank you so much. This was a blast. I'll talk to you guys soon. Absolutely. Thanks, Thanks. Maggie. Appreciate it. Thanks for listening to another edition of the Skyhook Podcast. If you want to contact me or Chris, you can always do so by emailing our mailbag, which is the Skyhook Mailbag at gmail.com, or you can follow us on Twitter. Send us a DM at the handle at Skyhookin, which is S K Y H O O K I N. And we would really appreciate it if you could rate and review the show. You can find the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or Google Play. And we're also a part of the Winsider Podcast Network. You can find that on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. And yeah, thanks for to Maggie for joining us on the podcast and for you for joining us on this edition of the show. Until next time. Thank you.